Welcome. It's my honor to have our audience join us for the first episode of Counter Voices, a podcast dedicated to the complex dimensions of diversity. Today's guest is the originator of the podcast, Jorge Prosperi, who is also the author of the book Trenzas, Braids, and the website diversitythreads.com, and today launches the podcast. I'm Gloria Lapata Prosperi, and this is Counter Voices. Welcome, Jorge. It's a pleasure to be part of these podcasts. The pleasure is sincerely mine, and I'm looking forward to this new venture. Now, before we begin, it's important to share the objectives of the podcast. The first is to provide listeners with awareness, insights, and understandings of the dimensions of diversity in order to engage in conversations on diversity without fear or apprehension. Second is to share the language and knowledge on diversity through a compilation of references, research, interviews, stories, and your own personal experiences. Did I state the objectives of the podcast correctly? Absolutely. A major objective is to provide listeners with awareness and confidence to openly discuss diversity among family, friends, and colleagues but also to provide opportunities to become a student of diversity because it is intricately connected to democracy and citizenship. There are many books, Gloria, written about diversity and how to deal with it. And yet, talking about diversity remains a difficult process. Now, it's easy for scholars and researchers who have dedicated their entire lives to the subject to openly and freely discuss it, but... For the majority of citizens, the study of diversity seldom goes beyond high school or college. As a society, we address diversity and citizenship by way of history courses that differ, not only from school to school, but from teacher to teacher. Our website and podcast provides a tsunami of language connected to diversity. But what is important is to not only understand the concepts but to ultimately live the words that we profess. So what you seem to be implying is that upon graduating from high school or college, there's a disconnect from citizenship. Yes. It's easy to disengage from concepts such as all those words we hear, diversity, democracy, equity, inclusivity, and get on with our lives. Unfortunately, upon approaching the subject of diversity as adults, We find ourselves unprepared to discuss it, fearing it. Or worse, we end up believing some politicized or radicalized version of the concepts. Rather than feeling liberated to openly discuss the subject, we experience anxiety and discomfort, sometimes as if we were personally being attacked. We find ourselves without language to openly listen and engage and therefore it's easier to retreat. I understand. Now, before continuing to discuss the meaning and purpose of the podcast, I would really like to ask you about your logo, the icon of the podcast. I've been truly fortunate to be associated with creative graphic designers who were not only gifted artists, but graphic, as they would say, storytellers. Nancy Gage has been associated with me since the inception of the website and made countless contributions presenting visual stories. 
As for the podcast logo, the artistry is the creation of Anthony Bias, who is a marvelous illustrator and graphic designer. He is a master of interpreting a vision. What I asked him to create is a logo that would coincide with the vision and mission of the podcast and be engaging and provocative. Now, the image in the center is forging upward with empowerment. The background is the universe reflecting the expansiveness of diversity. The colors reflect different affinity groups and identities. The words inside the circle speak for themselves. They are the forces surrounding the image and the podcast. Each word is interwoven and interlinked within the circle of life. I believe that Anthony captured the essence of the podcast. Now, among the words in the circle of the logo, the word that caused me to stop and reflect is criticality. And while I sense its meaning, I'd really like to hear your reasoning as to why you included that word. You are not the first to ask. Most people have an inkling what criticality means. Criticality is a process of looking through different lenses with a focus on pursuing the truth. This is why supposedly we attend school for some 12 years and beyond. Criticality is directly connected to critical thinking and critical pedagogy. That means thinking critically, introspectively, and viewing the world beyond ourselves. Criticality liberates rather than prisons or victimizes. It embraces knowledge rather than fearing it. So, from your perspective, how does criticality impact the study of diversity? I think that part of the answer is by sharing what criticality is not. Criticality does not mean to put down, engage in name-calling, demean or degrade another. Critical thinking is not used to shame or blame. It should not be thought of as requiring a defensive posture. Rather, it seeks validation and credibility, leading to another word in the circle, which is truth. Criticality is ever trying to discern the veracity of what is being read and seen and heard. Keep in mind that as a child, we are a captive audience. Our perceptions and perspectives on diversity are constructed, developed by family members. The region we live in, the community, and our formal schooling, we are captive to the language we hear. As adults, we begin to discern our ideas about the world and its people based on many different influences. In other words, we are impacted by a social curriculum. Criticality is a kind of radar ever detecting and questioning the past and present and how both can influence the future. I often would share with students, criticality loves interrogatives and transparency as to who and what and when and where and how, and most important, the why of it all. Criticality differs greatly from casual lazy opinions. It's more like being in a court of law, raising your right hand and swearing that you will not only tell the truth, but pursue it, no matter the difficulty of the journey. Hmm, that was very interesting. Now, tell us, how did the name of the podcast, Counter Voices, come about? 
the name had to connect with one of the primary ways we learned about diversity, that is, our stories and our voices. The legacy of the oral tradition is how our ancestors shared the meaning and value of life. So the title of the podcast eventually came down to either counter stories or counter voices. The first word counter surfaced immediately as the podcast would be dedicated to counter conventional mainstream stories and voices. I also thought of heroes and heroines who stood alone throughout history fighting for social justice, equity, rights, and inclusivity. It's important to remember that the history of America and its stories during the 18th and the early 19th centuries were written mostly by white historians who provided their version of America. That history, those stories, became America's view of itself. Eventually, America began to hear counter-voices, Native people, African Americans, Latinos, Latinas, Asians, also women, immigrants, began to use their voices to liberate and to empower each voicing personal perspectives, differences, and accomplishments. These voices enriched our understanding of America and continue to do so. With the podcast, we are not reading, but listening, allowing what is said to be washed over us. One word, one phrase can affirm our own experiences and identity with others. Perhaps we will hear a voice that provides a new perspective that summons inquiry and prods for the truth, resulting in what critical thinking can often lead to, reflection and empowerment. I like that very much. Thank you. Can you tell us, did your own personal experiences influence your motivations for launching Counter Voices? The experiences are rooted in a host of what I call episodes taking place over some 77 years. For example, being born and raised in Argentina where it all began, then the episodes dealing with the reasons why my parents decided to immigrate from Argentina, the years of planning to take that first step. It required a great deal of courage. The painful experience leaving behind their extended families, our language and culture. It was all excruciating beyond words. Then the actual trip on a Scandinavian cargo ship, arriving in New York, followed by each migration, which is an episode unto itself. From the harbored area of New York to the north end of Boston to the east side of Detroit, then my family living in silence due to the English wall eventually as a young boy becoming the official family interpreter. The constant pull and push of confusion, anxiety, and stress during those years of what is called acclimation and assimilation. This meant dealing with conflicted bilingual and bicultural identities. Trying to make sense of my academic failures throughout junior high and high school, feeling muzzled lacking confidence, at times feeling intimidated to raise my hand, feeling subservient, not worthy of voicing what was being felt in my mind and heart. I felt trapped. It was always easier to appease, to consent. In time, I became aware that I was not alone. 
and that there were many people who were there to mentor. The liberating and empowering process took years. Thank, thank you for sharing that. Clearly, one of the major objectives of the book, the website, and now the podcast is to educate about diversity, to provide not only awareness but the tools by which to navigate the subject with astuteness and confidence. You use the term diversity literacy to encapsulate that objective. Can you explain what you mean by the term diversity literacy? Sure. Diversity is the subject, the main focus. By literacy, I mean the examination and the exploration of meaning. In other words, to become literate, educated, knowledgeable about the subject. In school, we study history, language, art, science, math, language, so on. But we know that each subject has layers of meaning and complexities. For example, basic math is connected to geometry and calculus. Basic science connected to biology and chemistry. Diversity is the same. I first heard the term diversity literacy by a professor at Wayne State University School of Education. We were developing workshops for 28 Detroit public schools because at the time we had a homogeneous population of white teachers teaching a heterogeneous student body composed of many races with some students being bilingual and bicultural. This was happening in public and private schools throughout Michigan. More students of color were entering schools being taught by white teachers with white administrators and school boards. While working on the project, a colleague challenged whether we were presenting on diversity or its literacy, meaning the ability to understand and be able to dialogue about the complexities of diversity. She asked, what tools will we be providing educators and administrators so that they would feel comfortable, confident, and willing to extend the conversation among themselves and with their students without fear or hesitation? How could we provide enough knowledge so that the value of diversity literacy would be deemed important enough to be mapped into the curriculum, interwoven within each content area. How would diversity literacy impact citizenship? For me, that was a wow moment. She was right. A major component of diversity was directly connected to citizenship and our democracy one of the major reasons we attend school. So from that point on, I combined the two terms. Well, that makes perfect sense. While I sense that diversity is a major focus, I also see that there's a constant theme of democracy that's always present. Can you expand on that? I think it begins with my personal connection with democracy as an immigrant. Keep in mind that I was born and raised in an autocracy, a dictatorship. The rule of law was in the hands of generals. My father would joke that Argentina had more generals than privates and that all elections were decided by special interests and insurrections. Becoming a naturalized citizen gave each of us a different perspective on what democracy meant I remember the three of us studying around the kitchen table together for the written and oral test. 
it was a serious and yet hilarious time as we dealt with pronunciation and vocabulary and concepts. Keep in mind that there were there was no internet, no Googling of terms, no ESL books to interpret the materials provided. And my parents had another challenge. They had no formal education. So we had to figure out all of the language word by word. The process and tests required persistence and diligence. But upon raising our right hands, democracy was no longer a word. It became a badge of honor, a responsibility to us, a way of life. It was always surprised as an adult my, by colleagues and friends born and raised in America who never talked about, even were familiar with the tenets of democracy. They tended to think of it as belonging to a political party celebrating the 4th of July or every four years vo- voting for someone. They tended to cruise between each voting cycle. Maybe it was because they took their freedoms for granted or believed that freedoms were guaranteed. But I believe that America, since 2016, has awakened because it faces again, I emphasize again, critical decisions regarding the preservation of democracy. This is not a time to take the quality of our lives as citizens and as human beings for granted. Well, on that provocative note, we certainly have laid the groundwork for future podcasts that will directly deal with the challenges that all Americans face in the 21st century of examining and openly discussing the interwoven threads of diversity, democracy, equity, and inclusivity. It's been a sincere pleasure to share the launching of the first podcast with its originator, Jorge Prosperi. Thank you so much. It's been my sincere pleasure. For further information about diversity, please go to diversitythreads.com, where the Galaxy Diversity Literacy Model can be found, along with an extended bibliography and glossary of terms. As always, sincere thanks go to Alan Contino, Chief Engineer of Delirium Networks, and to Nancy Gage and Anthony Baez for the graphic designs on the website and podcast. And lastly, our sincere thanks to each of you for joining us. I'm Gloria Lapata Prosperi, and you have been listening to Counter Voices. Mm-hmm.